is one of William Shakespeare's most famous plays. It's gloomy, it's bloody, and it comes from a later, darker period of the bard's life, but it drips with some of the best writing to grace the English language. Shake off your downy sleep and listen to this tale told by two idiots whose virtues will plead like angels. We'll strut and fret for 90 minutes while sipping single malt highland scotch from the very heats of Dunsinane. Come destroy your ears with this new gorgon. Let us physic your pain with episode 6 of Toasting the Classics, Macbeth. What are we talking about today? We are talking about that uh, Scottish play. Are we going to say it? Well, why not? We're not, uh, this isn't a theater. We're not doing a play. We don't have to worry about being injured. Well, we are performing in a way, so, but we're not performing the play, so I think we can say it. Right. I think we can say that we're doing Macbeth today. Macbeth by Billy. Billy Shake. Shake. That's right. All right. So that's what, uh, that's our classic for today is uh, William Shakespeare's Macbeth. Free choice. Free choice this week. It was, uh, can you, can you tell? Whose choice it was? MacArthur? My choice. My choice. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of a dirty secret is that this podcast is not entirely to entertain people. It's also so that I can get educated. I, I just missed this. Just basically just about what never you, read this you play. want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I just never read this play. I never saw it. Anything. Um, Why did you pick it? Because it seemed like a gap. Seemed like a big gap yeah. in my in my knowledge. Also, the drink's pretty easy to pick. Yeah, um, well, that's true. When you're talking about Scotland, although definitely forty ounces. Yes. Yes. yes malt liquor, forty Absolutely. ounces. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it has nothing to do with your last name. No, not really. Yeah. Not really. Although I like that region. That region is a, it's a cool part of the world. I honestly, I thought that's why you're saying it because you know, MacArthur, Macbeth. MacArthur, Macbeth. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of the Scottish history. Got to be. Got to be pretty much the same region. I actually had a little difficulty because I was trying to match. The region, mm-hmm. and I—it was sort of uh, with with your selection, your drink selection. My drink selection right. matched with where Macbeth takes place, and yeah. I didn't get much in the way of. There wasn't like a firm answer about exactly yeah, where. It was kind of all over the place. The history, I mean, the real history, and this is something that you know I didn't know, and I guess mm-hmm. I'm just jumping ahead mm-hmm. to that. I didn't yeah. realize how how that it actually was kind of based on, you know, uh, loosely loosely based on history. Right. There um, are two. There were two kings. Or rather, I guess there's three king characters because mm-hmm. there's the um, there's Duncan, mm-hmm. there's Macbeth, and then Malcolm, mm-hmm. Duncan's son. So they're all real, they're all real people. Um, but and Banquo, Banquo, Banquo. I, I yeah, he was real. Right. That's right because yeah. he ended up being. That's the reference to his children becoming kings. Right, is James the first or James the sixth of Scotland, supposedly descended from Banquo. Right, who I don't even know if he's a real person, but there was a bunch of. Uh, Disputes about that, right? Yeah, so so they're real, they're real kings, but in reality, Macbeth defeated Duncan in battle, mm-hmm. right? Didn't murder him, right. and was a king for a long time, a fairly successful king for yeah. He actually ruled for ten years, ten years or yeah. so, yeah, something yeah. like that, ruled for so. a full decade. Pretty big difference. I'm not even sure. I, I think the choice to do this play for Shakespeare and to change it from what was in the history in that way had to do with trying to impress the new king, James the first, right? Um, because of the Banquo connection and stuff like that. So that's why this got changed into a story that didn't really happen. Right. About murder of a king, which you would think would be a problem. Yeah, yeah. If you're writing, basically you're living in a dictatorship when you have a king like that. So, right. I mean, you, you can get in trouble by having a play. But what happens to Macbeth is all bad. So right. it's certainly not in favor of killing the king. Right. So. Well, or those are the consequences of killing the king. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you end up in, in all the turmoil that Macbeth was, uh, was under. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is to say quite a lot. 
Which uh, which version did you end up watching? Uh, I well, I read I read it. Okay. And, then, and I and I and then I watched the same version that you actually sent out. So you can okay. you can find this on YouTube uh, if you enter Macbeth. There's a a great version. Uh, stars Ian McKellen. McKellen, yeah. McKellen. Ian McKellen. It must have been. I didn't see what it was produced. It had to have been early '80s or something like that. I think that, 1979. Royal, is what I remember. Royal Shakespeare. I think so. Uh, yeah. And what's amazing is you see this whole cast of of characters like mm-hmm. uh, Judy Dench. Judy Dench is Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Dame Judy Dench now. Yeah, D- Dame um, Judy Dench, Sir Ian McKellen. Sir they, Ian McKellen, They both ended right. up being knighted, the, the two. I guess they're the main characters. Yeah, they're the main characters, but throughout it. I mean, Arguably, Macduff could be a bigger character than Lady Macbeth. But Okay, Macduff. Okay, Macduff so, is the one who uh, is played by the actor in Jurassic Park. That's who it that, is. That says, clever girl. Yeah, clever girl. Is yeah, that, the, that he's, a, he's a South African hunter. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah in, exactly. in Jurassic Park. I was, what, I kept, I was like, yeah. who the hell is that guy? Yeah, that, that was right. really, when I saw him, I, I just kept, every time he walked on screen, I'm like, clever girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I didn't figure it out until until yeah. now, yeah. Yeah, did you uh, notice who, um, now who was the character? He played multiple characters, but his main character was... Um, the Emperor. You're going to talk about the Emperor. Yeah, I'm talking about the Emperor, yeah, yeah. but that guy... Who did he play? Ross. Ross was just like a does a lot of exposition, explaining right. what's going on. Well, he was one of the um, one of the men. I mean, he would like you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, run back and forth, deliver messages, and right. so forth. But he was also the uh, the guy that answered the, the door. The, the porter. Uh, yeah, the porter. Yeah, the right, porter. The he porter. gives a big speech, doesn't yeah. he? The porter. I can't. Remember. Did you? Did you? Do you remember what that speech was like? Because I kind of it was kinda uh, dropped the ball. On well, that. It, it's called equivocation. It, it's it's this whole right. it's this whole right, thing right, tied right, into right. the uh, the gunpowder plot. Mm-hmm. Um, about uh, equivocation and the Jesuits. It's this really weird kind of uh, moment in, in, in English history that pits uh, the, the Jesuits against the king and against... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the king was, I guess, kind of suspected of being sort of a closet Catholic, or was he just openly Catholic, James I? I can't remember which. No, he was Protestant. His father was Catholic. And okay. that, was, that was the thing, is, is uh, would they accept a the son of a Catholic king, right? right? I think uh, I'm thinking of he, Charles. Charles, I think everybody suspected of right. possibly one. James I turned out to be Protestant. So, mm. um, but no, it was something about the the whole the the you know the gunpowder plot. And if you've ever seen V for Vendetta, you know all about that. Mm. Um, That's uh, the mask. The ma- yeah, the, yeah, the guy Fox mask. Is yeah, the guy Fox, right? Vendetta, yeah. And uh, but there's a whole there was a whole episode. I mean, all we ever all we think all we know of really is Guy Fox here in this country because mm-hmm. we're idiots. And and actually, I shouldn't say that. Britain's small, so we don't care about him. But yeah. in any case, you know, but you almost managed to not offend, and now you offended Americans and British. No, there, I so. backed off on the Americans. I think I everybody. I think everybody got their noses dirty there. <laughs> but uh, no, all we really know about is Guy Fox because of that movie, and and frankly, if. If it weren't for that movie, most people wouldn't have heard of him. I was actually, I lived in England for several months one time in the fall, mm-hmm. and I was there for Guy Fawkes Day. Yeah. And it was just fireworks. And it took me a day or two to figure out what was what was going on, where were there fireworks. So it is a big event. Yeah, it's a it's, it's They had fireworks thing. there? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that weird? Yeah, crazy. I wouldn't think so. No, you re- I heard, we heard them all night. I yeah. mean, I was out in Oxford. I wasn't in London. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they let you shoot off, shoot off fireworks in London, but. They don't let you do a lot of things in London. I wouldn't think so, no. But I wouldn't think so. But yeah, so there were—I uh, mean, there were a, a multitude of co-conspirators, and um, mm. and there's uh, another famous name, and I don't remember what it is. It's Guy Fox and this other guy, pretty much, right? Were the two? It's like Garrett or Garnett or I something can't like that. But, I can't uh, remember. I don't know. Somehow the the Jesuits play in there, and there's this whole thing about equivocation, which is right. saying one thing meaning another, or it's like saying a, a two way things of that not 
cursing yourself by lying right. while also not revealing yourself to be a Catholic, right. essentially. So I guess the Jesuits specifically believed in equivocation uh, for, you know, in, when it's in the duty of God or something like that, when it's for God. Right, right. Um, and I, I guess they believed they were doing, you know, this was part, you know, this is something to be done for God's. In any case, I think that's what that, supposedly that's what the porter is. And there's all these little clues in there because they don't know exactly when it was written. Mm. Early 1600s for sure, but... Definitely um, after 1603 because that's when Elizabeth died. Right. So, so we know, and I think Shakespeare didn't live terribly much longer. Yeah, so I th- they're not sure exactly when it was done, and there's some dispute about there's another guy who wrote a lot of the lines. No, that well, there there was dispute, but I think that's been pretty much uh, proven unfounded. Um, okay. I mean, they do attribute it all to, to Shakespeare. There's a lot. I mean, who knows, man? It was, you know, it was so long ago. Um, that's why Shakespearean study, you know, is still a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, uh, yeah. and we have, uh, matter of fact, in my department, we have... Uh, brilliant Shakespearean theorist uh, from, I think she got her, her DPH or Doctor of Philosophy from, uh, from Oxford in Shakespearean studies oh, nice. specifically. So, very cool. you know, it, it's still, you know, a very, very big field um, and kind of one of the mainstays of any English department or literature department. Mm-hmm. So, but, and it's because there's all these, you know, things they don't know about, yeah. you know, exactly. Yeah. It's reading that the, the folio that this one first appears in, I think in like 1623 or something like that. Okay. And they're not sure if it was actually, if this was the full play, because it's, it's much shorter than any of his other plays. Is it? Oh. Yeah, it's it's just barely over half as long as Hamlet, I believe, hmm. um, as an example. But uh, so there, but see, a lot of his plays were shortened when they were published in these, in these uh, folios, right? Mm-hmm. They'd give you kind of a, a synopsis, like an abridged version, and then the full version. And this is the only one that exists. And all of the other ones, there's a synopsis or an abridged version of like Hamlet and then the uh-huh. full version of Hamlet. This is one of the only ones that it just has this one short piece. So they're thinking there's that the, it's about half as long still is missing. Like there's a full version of it that hmm. out there that's quite a bit longer. I mean, for my money, it works as yeah. it is. I don't really feel like I, I wasn't like, boy, I, I wish this was going to be a lot longer. Like I, I, need some, <laughs> I need some more guys standing around in rooms talking about right. it. Although, um, oh, Lady Macbeth, Lady Macbeth dies off screen. She dry, dies off screen. And we she, don't even know she doesn't what, in have, what way. Right. Was, that's weird. Well, she has a few, you know, very brief parts. And that's the thing that they, you know, they talk about in comparison to a lot of his other plays. The only multidimensional character is Macbeth. Mm. Really, everybody else is is very flat, very two dimensional. They don't have a lot going on. They don't say a lot. They don't do a lot. Even Lady Macbeth, who is the right. other most interesting person in the play, doesn't do a lot. Doesn't say a lot. At first, she does. Right? She's a co conspirator, and she eggs him into it. Yeah, she definitely. Yeah. But then, but then she just she, you kind of lose her. You don't see her again until she goes crazy. Yeah, if there's a missing know. scene, I think it probably is her death. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that seems Could be like, a lot. That seems like know. a notable thing. That she, because she's pretty fleshed out. I mean, she's having her own crisis about mm-hmm. having killed Duncan, and she assists in the plot. She gets mm-hmm. him to do it. So she's a pretty important character. Right. Uh, you get a little bit of, of Macduff when he his family is killed. Right. That's a pretty good scene. That was a cool scene. I thought and that my, was— and yeah. my, and my children too. Yeah, I just told you. Yes, and, ha- children. and how many of my children? And how many of my children? Yeah, he's really like. And my wife, how yeah. is she? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow. I mean, that was that was a really cool yeah, part. Yeah, that's a, a very good powerful bit. part. That yeah. is a good bit. Yeah, he, he, they really played that realistically yeah. for what what somebody the kind of things right. you would say. You know, so the trauma that you go through. Because I sort right. of thought when that scene started, 
he was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, my family's dead. Right. And I was like, well, that's weird, I guess. But then they drew well, he, it out. He did, and, yeah, but he's so. like in shock, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty effective, actually. But yeah, for the most part, there's not a lot about any of the others. We don't know that much about him. Um, the whole thing with Malcolm was weird. About his, his, or he's talking about he's he's too much of a lecher to be king. Yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah, that his, was weird. His appetite for women was was just yeah. too much. Yeah. He could never he could never make this king. And then McDuff's I like McDuff's reply is like, "Don't worry, there's, there's enough women. Plenty in, of women. Plenty yeah. of women yeah. in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> Tamper your cravings or whatever right. it was. That, and he's that's like, not going to be a problem. Yeah, he's like, no, <laughs> trust me, there's not. Yeah. But then he turns out, oh, I've never actually known a woman before. So right. I don't know. Right. So it's what? all big, all big trick. Yeah. What was that? I don't know. I don't know. Very weird scene. <laughs> I guess he's trying to test out Macduff, right? To to see whether he wants him to to to, to help him out because essentially right. he needs Macduff to go and kill the guy, right? Well, it also makes you wonder what was Macduff thinking. I mean, what else could happen, you know, other than your wife and mm-hmm. kids get slaughtered once you split? So just just for if you haven't if you haven't read it or watched it, uh, Macduff actually. Should we do a little synopsis for people? Just sort of tell them? I think you should do that, yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, basically, the story starts out with a king named Duncan who's a respected, sort of like one of these, like, holy-type kings. You know, everybody loves him. He's a great king. And um, they win a battle against the Norwegians and the Irish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macbeth does. So he's becoming sort of a successful war leader for Duncan. And then... His wife, the, 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 the king comes to stay with them. The wife, Lady Macbeth, gets the idea to kill him so that he can become king. And then he becomes sort of, he does that, becomes king, becomes sort of a dictator, starts going kind of crazy with the guilt of having killed the king and just ends up like murdering all these people all around him. And uh, there's a counter-revolution, basically. Right. Uh, Macduff's men come, 10,000 men come. They have a battle at the end and, Mac- and Macbeth is killed and uh, Malcolm becomes the king. Malcolm is Duncan's son. So that's essentially the story. Right. I didn't mention in my synopsis now probably one of the most famous parts, which is the Weird Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, they give him a prophecy at the beginning uh, telling him that he's going to be the, what, the Thane of Cawdor? Does that sound right? Yeah, I think so. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then also eventually be the king. And then he's immediately becomes Thane of Cawdor because I can't remember what happened. Somebody died. No, the, Thane, the original Thane was a, a traitor. Okay. So they, okay, they, that's right. they yeah. killed him. And, uh, okay. Duncan killed him and made made Macbeth the the honorable Macbeth the Thane mm-hmm. because he he fought so well right which makes sense yeah. he seemed seemed to be in, in line for a promotion mm-hmm. after beating those Norwegians right God knows it's tough to beat the Norwegians so. <laughs> although in this time this would have been in the Viking Age uh-huh. uh, this would have taken place just before a thousand A.D. I think okay these people these kings so this is a pretty active time for the Norse I mean they definitely would have been a a big problem for a sure. Scottish king yeah. so absolutely yeah. That's uh, that's essentially the story. Uh, the the weird sisters give him this prophecy and uh, tell him that he's going to be king. But but um, I don't think there's any equivocation in the first prophecy. That one's pretty straightforward. They say mm-hmm. you'll be Thane of Cawdor, you'll be king, and Banquo here, his sons, mm-hmm. will, his his progeny will become kings of Scotland. Then later he goes back to clarify with them, and that's when he gets the equivocating prophecy, which I think it ties into that theme mm-hmm. of equivocation, the Catholic version of equivocation, because they give him. One of these uh, famous oracles that kind of, I, I always think they end up sounding like BS, honestly. Like, you can't be killed by someone not born of, you can only be killed by someone not born of a woman. Right. 
which he says, well, and automatically he he thinks, well, that's impossible. Every and the catch is, and the catch is he had a cesarean section, yeah. so he wasn't born of that. Doesn't right. make you not right. born of woman. I now, did did the same thing happen in Caesar? Didn't wasn't Brutus? Isn't the same thing? Didn't I Caesar die because I mean the same prophecy? There's he, a prophet. I know there's a prophet. There's he, a soothsayer. He, he couldn't be killed um, by by anybody born of woman, and Brutus was. I don't think so. I don't remember that. It, it has been thirty years since yeah. I read Julius Caesar. I read it in high school. Um, I did. I did actually like that I think, one. I, I think I, there is I a connection. Well. I mean, it is a C-section. It's called cesarean section for a reason. I think, and I think it's Julius. Something with Julius Caesar. It could about, be. But that it's anyway. spelled strange. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to look that up right now. It's tempting, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I did look up William Shakespeare died in 1617. By the way, well, there you so go. he. Um, did not live much longer after this play. This is sort of his yeah, perhaps later darker period. Like I think years. I think that's that's one of the things I noticed in this is I think this is a mature person writing these plays in a way that some of the earlier stuff isn't. Like you read Romeo and Juliet, the people sort of behave like farce. This one, this that you know Macduff getting the news about his his family. Mm-hmm. We like we said plays out. You know it actually it it, it actually shows how someone behave in such a traumatic situation, mm-hmm. and when. The guilt of killing the king for both Lady Macbeth and Macbeth himself, again, is like almost like PTSD or something is the way they're acting. You know, I mean, especially Ian McKellen was really like chewing the scenery in some of some of these bits. <laughs> like yeah. where what was the part where he really loses it? They're at the oh, when the when Banquo's ghost shows up. When he's at the dinner. At the banquet. Yeah. And um he's like frothing at the mouth ma- literally right. frothing at the mouth. Yeah, spit spittle uh, everywhere. I was having a little trouble with that per- part of the performance. <laughs> I was like, Can we tone this down a little right, bit? Right. Like, this is a, this is a bit much, but So how do you how do you do with understanding Shakespeare? Um I'm okay. I mean I so my uh my bachelor's degree is essentially literature. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, for that degree we had to take uh well we had to take Shakespeare one and two, actually when I when I did it. And so mm-hmm. One of them, uh, whichever one, but one of them was the comedies and sonnets, I believe. And mm-hmm. then the second class was the histories and tragedies. The histories and tragedies. Right. Okay. So histories would be like Henry V and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure I've ever read one of the comedies. Uh, so Midsummer Night's... Midsummer probably, Night's Dream, Dream I read. Okay, um, yes. Yeah, I, I've actually, Tame, actually went to go see that at the, Shakes, at the Globe Taming Theater. Taming of the Shrew, I think. Um, Taming of the Shrew is a comedy? Yeah, okay. comedy. I've seen 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> That's well, my then, only connection. Well, then you know the sure. entire story. Yeah, so I know the yeah. plot. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually wondering. Let's let's real quick. Okay. So you've got ten things I hate about you, Tim mm-hmm. and the True. You right. have, uh, you could say West Side Story is West is Side Story is Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything in Hamlet? I mean, you've got Sons of Anarchy started out out with the whole I think Hamlet. The thing. Lion King is somewhat inspired by Hamlet. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. I, there's yeah. some parallels. Yeah. There. Yeah. There I, is, I yeah. The son I'm not sure it's official. Or yeah. The brother brother going. kills kills the king, yeah. and then the uncle's in the, charge, yeah, and right, right. has to come back. And okay. So is there anything from Macbeth? Is there any? Oh, that's a this good would question. make a good an easy mobster. There's like a gangster type of thing. There's an Akira Kurosawa version. Now I've heard of that. It yeah. Takes the place Japanese in Japan. One. The Throne right. of Blood. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. That actually would be really cool to watch. A Kurosawa movie at some yeah. point, like yeah, Hidden right. Fortress or something. I'd, right. Or Seven Samurai. I saw that when I was a kid. That's yeah, really good. That's the one I've seen. That's The Magnificent Seven. Right. Uh, I knew that. I almost said ripoff. It's the opposite of a ripoff. The, the source material for the I don't ripoff. Know. Steve, Steve McQueen wasn't in the Japanese version. No. So no. But really Toshiro Mifune was. Really he was doesn't pre- count. He's pretty good. So, yeah, I was thinking like this would really lend itself to kind of a mobster film. Easily, yeah, right? I mean, I like, so. uh, like so. maybe even like Sopranos type of thing. Um, there probably there's got to be one, right? Where you've got where you've got the somebody the kingpin gets knocked off by one of the lieutenants uh-huh. or one of the captains or whatever. Yep. 
I just, but I couldn't find any reference to it, which I thought was kind of surprising. Somebody's done that. Somebody's, yeah, yeah, at least loosely, right? Yeah, they must, they must have. Like, people are screaming right now. It's this movie. It's right, this movie. Right, right. Idiots. Yeah. Well, let Probably. us know. Comment and let us know which movie. Uh, supposedly, yeah. a lot of the prequel trilogy in Star Wars is is kind of based on Othello. Again, loosely, mm. just sort of the relationship between Darth Vader and Anakin and Padme and mm. the, their arc towards the end. I think in Episode Three, pretty much doesn't so. But I, so when somebody told me that before the movie came out, I thought there was going to be like a love triangle, and they just didn't do that. I totally thought there'd be a relationship between Obi Wan and Padme, and they never went that no. that route. I think that would have been pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I need to go back and look at, watch, uh, or read Othello, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I read it yeah. in high school again. It's been a long time. So. Right, well, it's certainly been a long time for me, too. I see. I saw, um, I think Lawrence Fishburne actually played in a uh, dramatic sounds feature right. That sounds Othello, right. and it that was sounds right. really good, if I remember correctly. Mm, I bet. That's oh. another one. That's that's a bit, I think that, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's another one of these later plays yeah. where I think Shakespeare was, like, depressed or something, or just... <laughs> No, I, I he just had some bad experiences in life, and there, there's some know. really some negativity. I mean, in a he lot did change when he, as he got older, but you know, he he was, you know, this is how he made his money, and so mm-hmm. he was whatever you know his uh, his, um, uh, you know, the, the people would pay pay to see whether it's a comedy or tragedy or a history. I wonder you know. if times were changing in England, and maybe maybe it wasn't even so much from him. Maybe it was the tastes of the audience. Maybe. Yeah. As the Elizabethan era came to an end and, and James was king, maybe things were going better, so people were more in the mood to sit and watch a tragedy. Maybe like when you, you know, you're like, the world, it, it was pretty turbulent in the right. early Elizabethan period. Uh-huh. People may not have been in the mood to watch uh-huh. like a tragedy. They want to go and see a comedy. They want to see yeah. Romeo and Juliet, you know, something like that. I don't know. Well, that is a tragedy. Romeo and Juliet, yeah. Well, yes, that's true. That's true. But it's more entertaining. It's it's lighter. Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about historical tragedies because you know some of the histories were were tragic, but like Othello's a tragedy, mm-hmm. um, Caesar, you know, Macbeth, Julius Caesar, but those are based on you know real things or real loosely based on real events, right? Um, yeah, I don't know about Othello, but even even I think I think uh, Romeo and Juliet, I believe, were mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's based, based on, on, on loosely based on based on somebody else's events. play too. I right, think. I can't remember who because these these histories and tragedies they usually come from Raphael Hollinshed, mm-hmm. the Chronicles. Yeah, um, but I think that Romeo and Juliet was someone else's play that he redid. Like the play, Which, basically. Yeah, I, I read some of. There's only I want to say three of his plays that, that are just original plots. Original. So it's yeah. The Tempest, um, The Tempest, maybe Love's Labor's Lost and uh, Midsummer Night's Dream mm-hmm. are just completely original. They're not from histories. They're not from some chronicle. Right. They're just he made up a plot, which is not much. <laughs> it's got thir- 39 plays, right, give right. or take? Right. And uh, well, There's no copyright only, laws. Really, no, no not really. Not really. <laughs> you know, only copyright wa- law was a guy showing up with a sword, I imagine. Right. Probably. And, you know, I, I kind of reconciled this when I th- found out. I think when, it was when I um, really when I was in college that I, that I f- found out that he did he wasn't that original uh mm-hmm. shakespeare wasn't that is um but i reconciled it by the fact that we don't know who those other people are we've never really heard of them shakespeare was just so much better yeah you know and that's yeah. that says a lot yeah you know um so where do you come down on uh, all these all these ideas that he didn't really write his plays and stuff like that that there was some i don't know i you know i'm, I'm not 
I don't do Shakespeare. I don't like that's not right, my right. my field. Your, your opinion wouldn't count for much. Yeah, saying. yeah I don't. Yeah. I, I guess I guess what it comes down to is I really don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you the know? play's got written, um, right? So it doesn't really matter. I think you know. You know one, I was I was told one time I was taking a, a class and uh, it was like Middle English or Old English or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which, if you've ever read it, it's it's phonetic, right? I mean, they wrote phonetically. Uh, there was no canonical way of spelling things. There's oh, no dictionaries right. There's no the, agreed upon orthography. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like Chaucer, if you ever read Chaucer, mm-hmm. it's Middle English. It's all over the place. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, Sha- I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. about the nomenclature with that mm-hmm. is that there's Old English, Middle English, and Modern English. Mm-hmm. Right. And that Shakespeare, I think most people off the street would refer to Shakespeare as being Old English. They would oh, think, it, but well, it wouldn't be Old English at all. No, no, yeah. it's, it's definitely yeah. not. But I think... It's somewhere I think a between lot of that middle and modern. You know? It's early modern. Right. I mean, it's it, we can understand it. But Shakespeare, you know? I mean, we you have... You can't understand. If you're not educated, you mm-hmm. can't understand Chaucer. Right. It, it, you can't read... If you, you listen to it, though. That's the maybe thing. If, if you, you listen, listen maybe, to it, yeah, somebody yeah. reads it the way it's supposed to be read, right, right. Um, phonetically, and, it makes sense. You and say, Old oh, English, okay. for me, is just a completely different <laughs> yeah, language. Old it's, English is pretty... like Danish or something. I read Beowulf in a parallel, you know, with the Old English, and I would look and I'd be like, what... What does that yeah. even say? Again, if you if you know how to spell it, you'd figure out this crazy word that was written was like the word for shield, right? And it's it sounded like shield, right. but it looks nothing like it on the page. Right. So it's, it's you have to you have to have an education in how to read it in order right. to in order to read it. Whereas I think, Shakespeare, I think, if you give it a fair shot and you pay attention, you're going to understand what they're saying. Right. It's pretty much you know it's very similar to the way people talk now. Right. And I think uh, and y'all can can correct correct me if I'm wrong. Go out and look this up. But I, I think. You know, we have, you know, Shakespeare spelling his own name multiple times. And I think mm. multiple times he mm-hmm. spelled it differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it was, again, it was more about phonetics and less about precision in, in, in grammar. Yeah, people didn't write, write things the same way. No, I, I did uh, part of my master's thesis on George Washington. I did mm-hmm. a lot of his letters that he mm-hmm. wrote himself. Mm-hmm. And it was all over the place. He was spelling yeah. things differently every right. single time. Um, not his own name, but, <laughs> right. you know, lots of different things coming out that way. So, But it was, you know, it's, it's difficult. Shakespeare is difficult to read. When you see it acted out, it's totally different. And, mm-hmm. then, and then you go, oh, that's what that mean, you right. know, means. Right, right. Some, but still, even there, a lot of the insults you don't get. You know, a lot of the compliments you don't get. A lot of the oh, the references. To yeah, the a lot of references. We were talking about the references in Blazing Saddles. This yeah. is that times a hundred. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's completely alien society yeah. you're trying to totally. understand. You know, and there, I mean, so when we talk about this stuff, you know, where he's referencing like the gunpowder plot that happened, like I think 1605. That sounds right. And uh, they think that's why they think this was written about 1606 rather than 1603, okay. because of all these references that historians get as mm-hmm. being now we would never have gotten that like the equivocation and no. there's certain things that that he says right off the bat that that i guess were said by some of the co-conspirators in the gunpowder plot but again we wouldn't get that people of the time though because it was such a scandal such you know so sensational people of the time would have gotten that but oh yeah okay that's what he's right you know that's what he's doing yeah, yeah so yeah, equivocation was something i had to read about i didn't yeah. that's not on the tip of my tongue, you know. <laughs> right. I couldn't, well, care, I couldn't care less whether someone's I, secretly Catholic. <laughs> I think I am going to start using it, though, just about everything. Yes. Not, not just about Like, as a behavior? Yeah, as a behavior, yeah. Yeah, sure. Why, That's probably a good marriage technique. Asked me, yeah, yeah where, where have exactly. you been? Then I can, you know, dig into the equivocation. I haven't not been I haven't in the not garage. been drinking and <laughs> <laughs> cavorting out all night. Right. Yeah. But if I was, it wouldn't have been. Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm thinking maybe we should pour some, uh, pour some scotch. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I've got these glasses. 
which are those are fancy. The appropriate. They are Glencairn glasses, and they have an outline of the country of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make it look like an island, as it, which of course uh, know, it is may have benefited the Scottish <laughs> over the years. If that were the, Sean that Connery, were so. would have t- agreed with that. And there's my my clan name written on the glass. Uh-huh. So also, his last name. I did bring glass. ice. I wasn't sure how you take your scotch. Yeah, we can, we we could, can, maybe we could do one neat yeah, one, one on the rocks. Um, they, I think. I think. On the rocks is fine. I don't, you know. I'm not a purist about such things. So. Well, I mean, there is there is a reason to, to drink it neat. Now, these glasses, so these are the Glencairn glasses. They're kind of a tulip-shaped glass. The short stem on it, no stem really. That's and this is, this is kind of the glass, that, the go-to glass for mm. people that drink whiskey, connoisseurs of whiskey. Now, we're going to do this This one rocks or no? No, we'll do it neat. neat. This okay. one neat, yeah. Oh, God, that smells really good. It does, doesn't it? It smells smooth. Smell the cork there. But I'm actually writing right now, writing an article about uh, the best kind of glasses to drink premium spirits in. Premium spirits? Yeah. Actually investigating the Glencairn as we speak. I am writing again. I'm writing for uh, barleycorndrinks.com. Go out there. uh, Please subscribe. Well, it's barleycorndrinks.com. Last time you just said barleycorn.com. Yeah, I was was wrong. So barleycorn, uh, there's an awards... Uh, like a spirit award called the John Barleycorn Society Spirit Awards. And mm. I think that's barleycorn.com. But the content that I'm going to be writing for is uh, barleycorndrinks.com. So please look me up and cheers. Cheers. Schlangewan. Smells good. We didn't mention what we're drinking. Oh, yeah. I guess we well, should. We, we, I think we got it across that it's a single malt scotch, but it's specifically Aberfeldy. Mm-hmm. 12-year-old. Yeah. I tried to match uh, the region where Macbeth supposedly took place. That's the best I could do. What what uh, region was it? Lowland, uh, Highland? Perthshire. Which so is, Highlands. Okay. So um, that's supposedly the right area. But this, I, well, this tastes really, I mean, it tastes like a Highland Scotch. It's yeah, it's really, pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a Highland so single I, malt aged 12 years. Kind of fruity. Really? Yeah, I do get that. Mm, you're better at this than I am. A little am. bit of citrus and peach. Yeah, maybe. I guess I know what you mean by that. But see, now you put that idea in my head. Right. Put now that's idea. all I can taste. I was telling uh, telling Dave off air before we started that you know tasting notes are the biggest load of BS out there for, for drinks. Because what what happens is if I tell you as you're drinking something, God, you know, do, you, do you taste that cinnamon? You automatically, you're going to taste that cinnamon. Right. If I say, right. oh, can you taste that kind of burnt caramel taste there kind of at the back? And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can kind of get that. So it doesn't matter what I say. Do you get that frog crap? Like right at the, right at the, <laughs> right at the base. Oh, yeah, it tastes just like frog just, crap. Yeah, I don't yeah. actually know what frog crap. That <laughs> but, if, but if I knew what it tasted like, imagine, that would be yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can but, imagine. Uh, so. So, so the best advice is ignore tasting notes. Try it yourself. If you like it, you like it. Well, this is a really good a really good scotch. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's pretty tasty. Got it down to Total Wine in El Paso, and the place is amazing. Yeah, we don't have a they're, lot They're here. not a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love Although if they want to be. Yes, definitely we would accept we would, them. We would. Maybe, maybe, maybe some kind of place like that. Yeah. Get, some, get a lot more listeners. We can right. bother you guys with, uh, yeah, for with sure. ads. Do you think, so what would they have, I guess I could ask myself that. So we're looking at uh, 11th century, 12th century is mm-hmm. about the Macbeth, like the real Macbeth story, right? Okay. Whiskey goes back from, we're thinking like five, six, seven hundred A.D. to Ireland. Okay, originally And, and then to Scotland. Okay. And uh, then they just kind of took off with it, and uh, everybody sort of made it. So they would have been drinking this. Uh-huh. I mean, they would have been drinking it. But some things that I don't know about are things like aging. Like this is aged 12 years mm-hmm. in probably American oak barrels, Yeah, uh, charred oak barrels. So I it's think that, that custom goes back more to like the early 1800s. Yeah, the, I think, the, the, I think the, the aging maybe, I would say maybe 17th maybe, century. Maybe. So 1600s at the oh, very 1600s. oldest. Okay. Yeah, very oldest. Because it was about replacing 
Sherry? Didn't we have this discussion before? Yeah, they, they were originally uh-huh. Sherry cast. No, no, it was uh, Brandy. It was, okay. it was replacing Brandy. That's what, uh, and that would have been that would have been nineteenth century. Yeah, you're right. That's when that uh, that um, that bug that I we think talked about. It was about. the Napoleonic War. Oh, it was the phylloxera. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's phylloxera. right. That's right. That's right. And actually, I take that back. So actually, charring, I believe charring might have been invented here in the U.S. Hmm. Um, in the yeah in the eighteenth century with bourbon. Nice. Um, but uh, n- neither here nor there. They would have had just spirit water. They would have had white. Yeah. White right. you know, moonshine. Right. The, br- the brownness of, of whiskey, as I'm learning from doing the show, comes from the barrel, the, mm-hmm. the aging process. Basically, when you make alcohol, it comes out clear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think generally speaking, that's just what happens. So, right. Right. Um, it should. Except, I guess, wine. Well, wine you don't distill, remember? Wine um, you don't distill. Yeah. Okay. So when you do distill it, you make brandy. And that comes out white. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then okay. they age it. And, and then they age it uh-huh. in something, all right. Oftentimes, what a lot of, like, the cheap stuff will do now is they'll um, just color it. They'll actually put a caramel coloring in. Yeah, you know? I could see why people might do that. Right. You might be able to produce something tasty that way. Not really. some kind of additives. <laughs> I mean, you know, the really cheap not, stuff? Not necessarily caramel, uh, but you could. Look at the really cheap stuff. And I'm, and I'm telling you, go look at, like, a, a whiskey at the very bottom. Okay, look at the bottom shelf. Mm-hmm. And then look be- below that. Like on the floor, there's some, uh, There's one called Ten High, for example. Okay. Now, if you look at the uh, label, it'll say 51% bourbon and then like 49% neutral spirits. Neutral spirits. Vodka. Okay. Yeah, vodka. So they take 51%. In order to be called a bourbon, it has to be that, you know, 51%. Okay. So, or whiskey, rather, not bourbon. So they'll take 51% whiskey, mix it with 49% vodka because it's cheaper. Right. Right. And then. And just add in some shake, coloring. Shake it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shake it up real yeah. good. and. And put it on, like I said, the bottom shelf. And that doesn't that. sound good. It's terrible. That's, that does not God, sound appealing. And actually, what's even worse is the smell of that stuff. Mm. That's one where if you nose it, you know, if you smell it, it it's you'll tell what, it right what away. What is the phrase "neutral grain spirit"? I know you use that about vodka before, yeah. but those words are just Foreign. falling on deaf ears to me. Or right. not, not on deaf ears, but falling. Well, it shouldn't have I a taste. Them. It shouldn't have a taste. So, like okay. a brandy. I mean, a brandy even. Unaged brandy, you know, that's, that's totally clear. Mm-hmm. It'll taste, it'll smell, and it'll taste like wine. You right. Know? You have to water it down a little bit to get it, but um, it will taste, it'll have a taste to it. Tequila, even white tequila tastes like tequila, right? Yeah. Yeah. So vodka tastes like, it's supposed to taste like nothing. It's supposed okay. to taste like alcohol, just pure alcohol. Right. So you can make it taste like anything you want. Sure. You, you could. As is done by. Theoretically, you know, put like a bourbon flavoring absolutely. in it or a rum flavoring in it or something like that and, and make it taste like that. Hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, they sell, if you uh, go to like you know, Amazon or something like that, you'll find rum flavoring and scotch flavoring and stuff like that. So it's not, so I guess I was parsing that phrase neutral grain spirit as mm-hmm. it was a neutral grain, but what it is, is it's a grain spirit that is, is neutral, yeah. right? right? Okay. Right. Yeah. So. Vodka is a weird one because you can make it with, I mean, they make it with potatoes, right? I mean, that was always a famous one with Russian mm-hmm. potatoes, Yeah. but you really just make it with grain. So you could actually make vodka with rice, quinoa, mm-hmm. uh, barley. Wheat. Hmm. I mean, anything that you can make, anything you make booze with, you can make vodka with it. Right. You just, uh, you just try to get the taste out of it. Now, one of the ways to do that is by through the distillation process, mm-hmm. where you just take everything out of it, okay. like all the tastes and everything, which you wouldn't want to do for a whiskey, right? You'd, you'd want to have. You want the, those notes. Yeah, yeah, you want the tastes in there. So. Definitely. How, what do you think? You like this one? It's pretty good. Oberfeldy. No, I'm probably good. pronouncing that horribly, by the way. You'll post it in the details, right? They're very, they're very the details, right? What's that? You'll post it in the details, right? Post it in the details? Like yeah, yeah. The for, the, for the episode? I mean, you'll tell everybody what that is. And 
Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. No, I don't really do that. You I, don't? No. No, you should. We don't have any details posted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I no, guess in a little blurb. Yeah, yeah, on little the, blur. yeah. Okay. Yes. I do mention what we're drinking. So it is really him that does it. He just, he's usually drunk when he does it. So he doesn't remember what he's doing. Nice. Yeah. But uh, anytime. This company um, is owned by John Dewar, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. The same guy from Dewar's, which is, a, that's a blend, right? Dewar's is a blend. Yeah. Um, One of my friends used to exclusively drink Dewar's when we were younger. But I think you might want to Google Dewar's. I think. Dewar's is owned by one of those big conglomerates that I've Could be. There's a company called John Dewar and Sons, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if that's a subsidiary of some other. It's probably the same. Some Belgian conglomerate. Irish whiskey is funny because there used to be, I think before like the 1920s, there were hundreds of of Irish whiskey distilleries. And then I think by the time the 80s or 90s rolled around, there were like four. There were like, you know, very few of them. Um, And the same with Scotch. So you had, you know, just, just a handful of them. They've bounced back. What I think what happened, if I remember correctly, I think in like the 1920s or before then for World War One, mm-hmm. I think England or the UK started taxing grain like very heavily. Oh, okay. And so it put a lot of the distilleries in Scotland and Ireland out of business. Okay. And uh, and they just kind of never recovered. So maybe that's the Corn Laws. Well, their version of it. I can't remember what Corn Laws are, but that's some phrase that occurs to me. From well, we did it. Uh, we did it. In, I think in 1917 or 1918, we outlawed the production of alcohol, like before prohibition. Before prohibition. We actually prohibited this production of alcohol as a wartime measure. As a wartime yeah. measure, and then it just kind of rolled right into prohibition mm, after that. So that's uh, when you said that barley corn. The, the barley corn website mm-hmm. that you're on, mm-hmm. they had these parties when they were shutting down for prohibition mm-hmm. called like uh, "Goodbye to Mr. to Mr. To barley Mr. Corn, barley or corn, John yeah. Barley Corn yeah. parties and stuff." So that that's kind of that's kind of fun. That was always the 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 uh, first part uh, or the first episode of Boardwalk Empire. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever saw that show. Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, the very first episode was the night before prohibition. God, bl- <laughs> God bless those idiots. Yeah, God bless those idiots. Washington. Yeah, and so everybody's loading up shopping carts and baby mm-hmm. carriages. That was one of the things. Yeah. Like baby carriage loaded up with booze and stuff like that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, to well. tell people you're going to do that, you know people are just going to buy it all up. Of course. Well, they didn't care. I yeah. guess, yeah. They were, they were sure that they could turn all of the, uh, I think all the prisons could be turned into poorhouses or something like that. Like they'd have no use for jails anymore because, yeah. you know, nobody to jail because everybody's sober. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, that work out. Kind of going through the same thing here now with the drug war sort of coming to an end. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I know, right? It's weird. Well, part of it, a big part of a big it. Big part of it, yeah. though. Big part of it. The real senseless part of it. Yeah, right. I mean, I, it, why can't people smoke pot if they want to smoke? What's that hurting? Right. Nobody, nobody smokes pot and kills somebody, and yet we have alcohol. Definitely, people hurt oh, God, each other yes. when they're absolutely. You know, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't, I don't think anybody smoked themselves to death versus <laughs> drunk themselves to death. I mean, right? it's a bad habit. It, it can be a bad habit for people. <laughs> right, you know, I, right. I've, I've seen people lose their ambition. You know, in life and things mm-hmm. like that. I had friends when I was in high school and stuff like that that went from being talented people headed somewhere in their sure. life to sitting on the couch all day eating Doritos and smoking <laughs> pot. And you know, yeah, but I saw that with booze too. I saw that you know people that would would drink themselves in, in college. Yeah, you know, it seemed they, to be they, less less quickly. I've seen people go bad with know. alcohol over the course of decades. Well, I didn't really see anybody. Not get into it, drinking with so the amount much. That, that these guys are drinking, maybe, that my friends are maybe, drinking, but maybe. But I, I remember, you know, in, in a fraternity, I had um, the guys next door to my room. They were just smoking out all the time. Yeah, and one's now like an investment banker, super successful. Yeah, uh, the other one's like archaeologist or something like that. Like you know, works for a, a certain state. I won't say which one, but works um, getting artifacts back from the Nazis. And no, no. Traveling, <laughs> yeah. traveling he carries a, carries a whip. Yeah, it's good yeah. work if you're yeah, a good it. guy. But then I knew guys that just never got off the bottle. 
Yeah. And uh, I've and seen it go both ways with pot. I've seen people go through that phase in their teen years and mm-hmm. then, you know, go to law school. And, mm-hmm. and, and then I've seen other people that they're all their promise in the world was completely right. destroyed by, you know, they just never did anything with their lives. Right. Um, so, I, you know, so I guess some, to some degree it's about your, your character and your drive and other things rather than just the, I guess. the drug. I don't know. know. You know, I, I, it's hard to say that there's not something genetically related to it, though, you know. Probably Some is. people are have is, yeah. more addicted to things and, than other people, and and oh my uh, God, people talk about it so much. I remember like friends friends of mine that was started smoking pot would mm-hmm. talk about weed, yeah, all the time. It was like, why are we talking about <laughs> this? So, you know, right. here I am doing a podcast talking about alcohol. I don't actually talk about it constantly. Like, right. it's not my only right. subject of discourse. <laughs> well, it is my. I, I write about it, so mm. it's my outlet. It's professional. It's I get professional paid. Thing, right? exactly. I get paid to do that. Exactly. All right. So, so some other things. Uh, let's see. You know, you've got this sin of being a woman in here. Right. Um, unsex me. Yeah, unsex me. I thought that, that took me a second. I was like, well, there's so Okay, so. Because uh, she means she can't be ruthless, essentially, if she's a woman. Right. Which, that's a weird idea of humanity that I don't share. I've definitely seen <laughs> people of both genders be plenty ruthless. I think, I think there might be a, a time, you know, it might be reference to the time in there but so you have lady macbeth mm-hmm. that it serves as kind of like an eve to macbeth's adam here where uh he Very writes her so. So, i didn't so, think of that so he writes her that, a letter yeah. after he gets his prophecy <clears throat> from the witches or from the weird sisters uh sends her a letter and tells her what the prophecy is and says you know that they they called mm-hmm. me the thane of whatever cador right and that came true and also they they called me uh, the king that shall be Right. And uh, and then she runs with that. She's yep. like, oh, my God, you're going to be the king. I have to. Now, that means we have to kill Duncan. <laughs> I mean, she automatically right. goes there. She doesn't go anywhere else. She doesn't go like, yeah. oh, gosh, how can we how can we make this happen? It's right to, OK, we're going to kill the current king. This is, a, I think, that I'm sure feminists have had a ton of fun yeah. with this play. And right. for good reason. There's right. a lot of these issues here. But I think that um, this was a time when an ambitious woman, that's what she she couldn't be. She, that, that she couldn't was, be ambitious for herself. That was evil. Though. It mean, was it's considered yeah, right. It's considered right. it'd be Machiavellian, right? right? It's like why Machiavelli was demonized and considered mm-hmm. to be atheistic and mm-hmm. evil because of the ambition. Right. You know, and, and just, just saying, Yes, I'm ambitious, I want to be in charge of things. And that's unforgivable, especially for a woman in this time period. Right. It's kind of what Hillary Clinton has run afoul of in yeah. her life. Most of the think, most think, of the demonization think, of her is based on all female politicians that have reached a level of power at some point, whether it's, uh, and you look on both sides of the aisle, look at, uh, what's that, uh, the ambassador, uh, Nikki Haley. I don't know who that is. She was a UN ambassador under, I think, Trump. Okay. I think she was like a governor of politician from the Southern okay. States, but, you know, she's been accused of the same things that Hillary, you know, that, you know, too ambitious and too mouthy and all this other stuff, right? right? Nobody would ever say, I mean, Bill Clinton said he wanted to be president and everybody was like, yeah, of course yeah. you do. Whereas basically... Hillary Clinton didn't pull her punches about being the same way. She right. wanted to be in charge of things, and people hated her for well, it. She's a mouthy woman. Yeah, she's a mouthy yeah. woman. She's uppity or something. Right. You something know, like she's that. getting out of, out of place. I think there's right. a lot of people still, and especially on the right side of the, of right. the spectrum, who think that way. That's not an appropriate thing for a woman to want right. to do. So here you have Lady <clears throat> Macbeth, um, who is, I mean, you could say she's Nikki like— Haley was from South Carolina. South Carolina, okay. You could say that uh, Lady Macbeth is the perfect wife. I mean, she is right? very supportive of her husband. Absolutely. She's, uh, 
She she's ambitious for him. You want to know if you trust somebody? Have right. them have them do a murder with you. That's that's a no, pretty no, good. Have idea. them cover up your murder. Have them cover exactly. Have <laughs> them bury a body for have you. Have it be yeah. their idea. That's a, that's you how. Know, she's that's, like, what are you doing with those daggers? You need to. Oh, you need to make sure that they're okay. Here, I'll go do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Are you standing here with those daggers yeah. in your hand? What are you idiot? doing? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, and she put the daggers out for him. In fact, yeah. you know, that's that's a wife. Yes. I would I would I want my wife to be just like her in some respects. But they that, both have this breakdown. Right. Well, because I, of it. it I, it's, yeah, that's the that's the moral. I mean, that's it, the part could, that didn't feel real to me. What's the the breakdown? I feel like if you're ambitious enough and ruthless enough to mm-hmm. murder a king, mm-hmm. you're going to sleep fine after doing right. it. If you're that kind of person, I, I, that's what I found to be unrealistic about both of their characters is right. they move towards treachery so fast. Mm-hmm. Really not with I mean, he I guess thinks about it a little bit and equivocates about doing it a little bit, but they go, they do this pretty quickly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they have remorse. I, I thought that was, that struck a, that didn't strike a, a true tone with Well, me. he before her, she talks him into it. Right. You know, she yeah. says, you know, screw your courage to the sticking place, which has become a, you know, famous line. Isn't that what she says? Screw I don't your. know. That's a cool one though. There's yeah. a million good yeah. lines in this. And uh, so, I mean, she becomes, you know, his motivator. Right, his muse, so to speak, you know, whispering into his ear, "Come on, do this. You, mm-hmm. you got to do this. Don't you? You know." She first suggests it to him that he's going to sleep here under our roof. Yeah. I'll get to kill him in my own, you know, under my own roof or something yeah. like that. I was thinking about it in terms of him, not so much her. About the so they have a psychological breakdown because you know of the murders, because one murder begets another, begets another, begets mm-hmm. another. Like he keeps having to kill people right. to cover up and and to to keep his place right. Because he's so paranoid about losing what he what he got, so and because of the prophecy, and because of the prophecy, right? It was interesting. Like he just came off the field of battle after killing all these people, right? And he's worried about these murders. So it's it's right. it's not the it's not the act of killing; it was right. the act of treachery that ultimately sure. he had a problem with. I, I think right? it's just that you can't have a king killer be okay with king, being a king, king killer, yeah. for political for political right. reasons. It's like they used to have these rules in American film where if somebody committed a crime, that was okay, but they had to be punished for the right. crime. That was just a nece- necessary part of, you could get, it was against the law to do that otherwise. I think that's what's going on here. I think there's, they're trying to placate the king, the actual king, King James, mm-hmm. having somebody murder a king and then fall apart because right. of it. That's sort of what I, I don't, got. It yeah, doesn't ring true to me. But. but that's, you know, that is a theme. I mean, you've got well, actually, it's not a theme because, like in Hamlet, you know, uh, Hamlet's uncle doesn't have a problem after killing no, his brother. Neither does you know? the guy's wife. Hamlet does. Hamlet has a lot well, of trouble with the idea of killing his uncle. The wife doesn't know. The wife just knows that she's now married to brother-in-law. Oh, I always thought it was implied that no, uh, Gertrude no. and, and Claudius were in it together. No, no. Really? Yeah, Hamlet's mother huh. was, she was innocent of the killing, but... To him, I um, thought they were like having an affair, and that's why they got together to, to no. get rid of. I can't remember what the king's name is in Hamlet, but I can't. And they get ready, Uncle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Scar, <laughs> Mufasa, right, Mufasa. But uh, no, she, she, she didn't told her get thee to a nunnery. I mean, that's where where you should be after your husband's been killed. You shouldn't be married to somebody else. That's See, I, I feel like I have to read it. I thought that was said to Ophelia, get thee to a nunnery. I may have. That was prob- his mom. Yeah, I probably have that mom, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely has a lot of choice words for her. He calls her Oh, God. Yeah, well, stuff, he's, yeah. he's mad about yeah that whole thing. But but I, I can't think of, and again, this is where viewers of Shakespeare experts will be like, oh, it's this one, you idiots. So again, if we're idiots and there there are other plays where this happens, let us, let us know. Yeah, send us emails. Um, but no, I think, I feel like, though, there is, there are 
like psychological ramifications to murder, like that Shakespeare's of course, explored, of course. but that he's explored before. I just can't think of Hamlet's might a good be. Hamlet's a good example. Merchant of uh, Venice, Othello. Othello, Othello is a good example. Yeah. Um, I think it ends up being kind of a rage killing uh, when Othello murders Desdemona, right? Right. Um, yes. But there's definitely a lot of guilt and that. Should I, you want some ice for the second one? Yeah. All right. We'll tipple with ice. We'll, we'll we'll go along with keeping the microphone in the ice bucket like we we're doing in past <laughs> episodes. We're not doing that anymore. Well, you know, I've got, I, I could do sound effects. Oh, I think no. The ice all froze together in the Oh, in the son of a biscuit. Tell you what, pour the scotch in the ice bucket. No, pour, I'm no, just joking. I think that's a terrible <laughs> idea. I was actually taking you seriously for a second. <laughs> you did look up. You're like, really? Even a little bit of ice water will open it up a bit. Just a little ice water? Yeah, that'll okay. be fine. Yeah, that'll work. So we're recording in the afternoon. So right. So probably not going to have as much, uh, much to drink as we usually do. Right. Well, until later. Also, we had a Kentucky Derby party yesterday. I had never had a mint julep before. Really? Yeah. Tasty little drink. I don't know why they're not more popular, like, outside of Kentucky Derby. You never hear about anybody. A lot of sugar and really sweet. True. They actually used to serve um, serve those as medicinals. That's actually where it came came, Hmm. came from, was uh, stomach, kind of settled the stomach down, which you can see, I've had a hot toddy for for medicinal purposes. I had a cold one time. That cured it, I'm sure. No, but it made me feel better. <laughs> when I was a kid, my uh, my mom, and this this probably explains a lot. Uh, my mom used to make what was called uh, uh, vanilla milk, warm vanilla milk. Warm vanilla milk. Yeah, okay. so she would take uh, some milk, warm it up, mix it with sugar and like a teaspoon of uh, vanilla extract. And this is like half a cup, so maybe like four or five ounces of, of total. Do you know what the, the alcohol uh, ABV is for vanilla extract? No, I don't know. 90% alcohol. Really? Yep. Huh. So she'd give me a teaspoon, basically a teaspoon of alcohol to a little kid. Nice. And she and she would always tell me, you know, later in life when I have kids, just give him some warm vanilla milk. You always slept so well after I'll you bet. got some, yeah, because yeah. it knocked me out. Sounds like it's like an origin story for you. Yeah, it is like, right. Uh, yeah. Why do you have such a proclivity towards alcohol? Gee, I wonder. Learned it in the cradle. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think they used to. Didn't they? I've heard of uh, uh, teething, like rubbing. Scotch or something. On, oh, yeah. On my dad used to talk like about doing that. I don't yeah. think he ever actually did it, but he, never, he, he would joke did. about doing that with my nephew <laughs> and, and my brother when they were babies. Sometimes you want to do it, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely times when you want a kid. I, I just remember wanting my kids when they were babies to go to sleep. Like, right. I've never wanted anything yeah. in my life. Like, just wanting right. to have peace for a few minutes, you know, like... I have a theory that, that uh, you know, a baby's cry is so annoying so that we will do whatever we Absolutely. it needs us to yes. do to get it to yep. stop doing that. Yep. If it was pleasant, like if a, if a baby would cry and we're like, oh, that sounds so nice, we'd let them go on and on. Oh, yeah. Right? But, yeah. I but remember one time. By design, we can't freaking stand it. We're like, my God, go to sleep. Alex was a baby, and he was having like a really fussy day, um, and uh, I, all I wanted to do was brush my teeth. And I could still, I, I walked like 10 feet away, and I'm trying to brush my teeth, and he starts crying again. And my hand was like shaking, <laughs> trying to get through the two. I was like, I'm just going to power through and finish right. this, and then and then deal with whatever it is. Right. This but, is an uh, experience of two two house dads, by the way. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, pretty much. Um, so Lady Macbeth, that's a big part of it. Uh, I feel like we should talk a lot more about that. I, I, I saw that she was, um, Shakespeare kind of, did he juxtapose her with Macduff's wife? Yes, he did. He did. So Macduff's wife is much more, um, I don't know about lack of ambition, but she definitely is kind of like a saintly wife. Like, she, the, like a, She's more focused on her husband, or no, more focused on her children and like, you know, and... and right. I mean, you, you would say that she is a stereotype of a wife. She, she sort of goes kind of meekly. To getting uh, to getting her and her son mm-hmm. murdered that actually happens on screen right uh, they actually get killed yeah 
unlike Lady Macbeth, who dies just I know that's so un- unsatisfying. It's, it's, yeah, it's really so unsatisfying. Y- there must have been like a speech or something. I mean, for, yeah. s- for such a character, that's actually like one of that. the best arguments for it being like a, a an abridged version. Yeah, I, it, that's the I think that's the most notable thing that's missing right. is a scene of Lady Macbeth dying, yeah. because they sort of hint that she kills herself. Right. Why did that happen? What What was going on? She She goes from appearing sleepwalking, yeah, doing the well, out, was, the out was, damn spot. She was crazy. Thing. I mean, she was. Yeah, she, she was, had she, lost it. Yeah. Right. That was actually candidate for my biggest surprise was that that was a sleepwalking scene. Yeah. Where she's doing out damn right. spot, and that 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 was strange to me. That well, that surprised me. They that. called it sleepwalking. We would call it. You know, she's just traumatized. She's she's in shock or something like mm. that. I mean, it, it's. PTSD of what she's done right. type of thing. Right. So she's clearly not in the same moment that everybody else is, you know? I think it's that's kind of what I'm talking about with the way these tragic characters behave yeah. in this play. There's like some psychiatry, sort of like folk yeah. psychiatry going on in the, in, in the play it, that seems pretty realistic. Like I said, except for the, the dramatic change to suddenly being traumatized by a murder mm-hmm. from not giving, not caring about doing it, it didn't right. seem like. But um, there's a speech about it, actually. Uh, who's... I think they're trying to the, they're trying the, to heal Lady yeah, Macbeth. It's the and, doctor. And the doctor. Yeah. The doctor's the doctor like you know. This is something. Canst thou not minister to a mind disease? Pluck yeah. from the memory a rooted sorrow. You know, right. like right. It's it's let the it's patient, like a let, let the patient heal himself. Is right. It's said, like a, yeah. it's like a, we almost medicine in those days. Now a, a doctor in. 980 AD could not have done anything for you. <laughs> You'd better off staying away from the doctor. Well, you had surgeon barbers at the time. Right. Yeah, they yeah there served, were things. There were things. Yeah. Two roles. They could probably do. Yeah. They could set a broken bone. They could yeah. probably maybe clean up your wounds well, so could, you wouldn't. They could bleed to you. You know, if you had a, you had a disease, they would cut you. And yeah. Bleed, bleed well, there's all, all that stuff that's worse than, the, worse than the ailment. Put leeches on you. Yeah. Um, but I always think that that's where we are with psychiatry today. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the medications they give people do do genuinely help them, but it's almost like it, it's almost like the way medicine used to be in right. the 1600s or in 90s. It's like it's not there yet. Like the the, the the science is not really there yet. I don't I just don't know enough you, about it. You can't it. cure yeah. people. There's no cures for psychiatric diseases, right. not really. I mean, unless there's some specific medical cause, I guess sometimes, but someone who's schizophrenic it's just about managing their symptoms, right. you know, for the rest of their life. Sure. So I thought it was funny that they're talking about psychiatry in 1600, and it's like yeah. this is really the same thing. You know, I really we can't, don't, can't yeah, pluck. We don't know. Can't pluck their yeah. sorrows from their mind. You know, just he had. You know, he had a lot of he had a lot of fun with um, psychological issues um, or psychiatric issues. Mm. Shakespeare did. I mean, because every single. I mean, there's all of these quandaries that these uh, that his um, you know protagonists and the antagonists face throughout his plays mm-hmm. that, you know, trying to figure out what's the best route, what should I do, trying to figure things out. And, it, you know, the monologues are all internal dialogue that's right. expressed to the audience, right? And people asking, you know, if I do this, then I do that, you know, and talking about the choices that they have and so forth. And uh, he really liked to explore a lot of the mental Anybody ever do part. that in modern films, those kind of monologues, to sort of show what a character's thinking? It would seem think so. contrived. It, it would be... It you would, see it in, like, comic books, graphic You definitely novels. see it yeah. in comic books, I mean, that's, yeah. that's where a lot of it takes place. But, mm-hmm. you know, in movies, it's... Some of the differences is in movies, you have things like facial expressions mm-hmm. um, that, that you can't get right in a play because most people couldn't see you well right enough, yeah, yeah that's exactly true. that's true now the Greek the Greek plays what they would actually do is they would wear a mask and the mask would rep- would represent their what kind of emotion yeah what having. kind of their emotion also I think the having. chorus the chorus would sometimes yeah. tell you what was going right. through somebody's but head they would, you know that the, the tragedy comedy masks that's where they come from but they would put them on so that the audience would understand oh this is their state of mind you know for this character yeah right 
Yeah. And um, you know, that's actually my other uh, my other candidate for biggest surprise was I thought the Weird Sisters. I didn't realize they were characters diegetically appearing in the. I thought they were like a chorus mm. that just said weird things like in the middle of the place. So I was kind of surprised that they actually interacted with Macbeth. Ah. I didn't know there was going to be a prophecy. I think that was probably my biggest surprise. Right. I thought that was very... Also, the fact that Lady Macbeth dies off stage <laughs> just really shocked me. I really, yeah. That's a strange choice for, for somebody to make. All right. the battles happen off stage. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, that's kind the of The only one-to-one is the Macduff and Macbeth. Yeah, battle, they're, right? they're, they're fight, I suppose. Uh, or you could probably film it. You could probably show that final battle. Is that Dunstan? They, they don't, though. Yeah, they don't, though. I mean, he, and like the murder of Duncan, that... They, they don't show that. They show the murder of Bank, right. Banco, Banquo. Yeah, Banquo gets killed on screen. Um, the, the children, uh, Macduff's family gets killed on yeah. screen. So there's some of the violence. Well, one happens. of the child. One of the, ch- one of the children. All my children? Or just yeah. one? <laughs> just one. Right. But uh, that and his wife. Did you see who played Banquo? It's a little bit more of a, it's a, it's a little more that obscure. Little, yeah, that one. I don't, he's in uh, American Werewolf in London. You remember that movie? Vaguely. He has a, he has, he's the guy who sort of figures out what's going, the doctor who figures out what's going on. And okay. goes back to the town and like finds out he's a werewolf and like ends up the Scottish guy, like the Scottish guy in the Scottish Moors. Type uh, thing? No, 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 no. Because that's where he gets bit, right? He goes, yeah, he gets bit in. Actually, it's, I think it's England. Oh, is it England? Um, okay, he gets bit and then goes back to London and is in the hospital because of his injuries. Yeah. And the uh, the doctor that's attending to him so that's Banquo is John Woodvine, the guy that plays Banquo. Okay, in his play. what what did Malcolm play in? Because that was bugging the hell. Robin Colcourt. From Cheers, the British guy the who's British guy? Kirstie Alley's Kirst- boyfriend. Okay, and what else though? Okay, you're right. That's what I know him from. I can't. God, I, I couldn't think of anything. Was he in else. like a Harry Potter movie? I very well, could have been. Look, um, look, look that up. I can look your, him up. Your magic um, box there. But let's uh, let's talk about something else <laughs> while I'm looking it up. We don't want look. We don't want looking up. Looking okay, up you time. also have, as we mentioned, the Emperor uh, himself uh, is, is Ian in, McDermott. Yeah, yeah, is in that. Do you know uh, we are almost ten years older than he was when he played the Emperor? He was not forty. Really? When he played the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, is that crazy or what? Good, That's why he's still in good, <laughs> fully armed and operational <laughs> battle station. Right, right. That's a good one. That's uh, the magic of makeup. Uh, and then also the other guy, and I, and I, I just remember him from like bit parts, and he's playing like. Uh, some goon, different movies, but uh, Macbeth's like assistant that went out, like his his second that would go out and kill people. Was that guy someone? Yeah, like he's he's been a goon in in different like English movies and stuff. I can't picture. Oh, this I think guy. He's been a villain. The sergeant, first murderer, that yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I I don't know what he's from. I sort of reckon he has one of those really seventies and eighties British faces. Yeah. Like there used to be this stereotype that British people had like terrible teeth, <laughs> and it was sometimes you'd see people you'd be like. Were you not on fluoridation when it, you were It was often true. Yeah, right, it was yeah. it was true back in the day. It's always, not like that now. I always, always remember there was a great SNL skit. So uh, Robin yeah. Colcourt yeah. was in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay. I feel like that's something I you could, might have I seen. I see that. That, that, seems, yeah. that seems like up your alley. Um, he's done a lot of stuff. A lot of TV shows. Tell me Harry Potter. Find a Harry Potter. Make, oh, it, happen. Make it so. He was in Frida. No, I wouldn't have no, seen that. No, I didn't see that either. But uh, he's in a whole bunch of Shakespearean stuff. He was in Extreme Ghostbusters, which, what, what is that? I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, that must be a TV show. Maybe that, a cartoon or something? I used to watch the TV show of Ghost, the cartoon. The animated? The real yeah. Ghostbusters. I used to watch that all. That's actually pretty good. I just hated yeah. it because... Uh, uh, I Slimer think he's the sheriff of Nottingham in, Ro- in Robin Hood. Is he? Okay. I think, I think you're right. I think I'm, I'm thinking Cheers. They can it's definitely it, cheers. Yeah. That that's what you know him from. I mean, that's right. the number one thing. 
Because he was on after uh, Shelly Shelley, Shelley Long podcast. left. Yeah, great right? podcast. After yeah. Shelly Long left, he was on there with Kirstie Alley, I think, for several <laughs> years. Uh, let's see. Getting back to it. I still want to figure out, let's see, a, a movie that where you have like a second in command, kills the, the main guy, and then has a downfall. That's the basic premise of the entire thing. Got to be, there's got to be one. Let's see. I was thinking Godfather. Godfather's no. similar, but he doesn't kill anybody in his own family. He, he has a murder that brings the other him fa- to the The other front. family kills him. Right. Yeah. The yeah. The other yeah. guys. Yeah. The, the other guys, the guys shoot the shoot the father. Yeah. And Michael kills the oh, person everybody. responsible yeah. for that. Uh-huh. Um, but the father lives. He kills his brother. Does he kill Fredo? Yeah, kills Fredo. He, he hasn't killed when they're fishing. Remember, he's he's saying yeah. all his, his, his saying the rosary and uh, pops I, him. I, I, dumps him in the lake. Some of the some of the stuff that happens in two, the stuff that happens like in the fifties and stuff, uh, is pretty yeah. boring to me. Like I, I sort of don't remember what? It very well. That's Academy I, Award. I know. Picture I know. I really day. like the Robert De Niro bits, um, but the stuff with Cuba. I think I've tried to watch it a couple of times and I kind of got bored. Wait, it, Cuba Gooding Jr. was in that movie? Yeah, right. It would have been like four. <laughs> I don't know what party would have played. Does Boys in the Hood count as a classic? Could we do that sometime? We could. Absolutely, Boys in the Hood. There was actually, I was thinking, I think there was kind of one of those, that genre, like the gangster, that mm. would fit here. But I'm, I'm just not familiar enough with them. I mean, I remember seeing Boys in the Hood, I remember seeing Juice. I, I, I could have sworn there was one. Where New you Jack had, City might be? So you had like the main gangster guy. I don't remember that movie. Killed by... I remember Wesley Snipes drops the guy off the bridge. And no. I think, I don't remember if that's... Was that uh, Am I My Brother's Keeper? Is that that one? No, it was C, I wouldn't want to be a... Oh, <laughs> Is that the line? I think so. It's a terrible so. line. Yes, that's really sounded really cool back then, but mm. doesn't uh, doesn't hold up terribly well. <laughs> so, uh, biggest your biggest surprise was the uh, the, the killed off. Either off that sc- they killed off Lady Mac- Macbeth uh, off screen, mm-hmm. or that uh, they, the, the the witches were actually participants in the plot of the. Right. Of the play. I thought they were like a chorus. I yeah. just kind of pictured them. They just seemed like that's what they would be to me, the weird sisters. Yeah. Which is, I wonder if weird entered art the way we use it. I was wondering So weird too. means fate okay. in Anglo-Saxon. Fate. So you can, and you can see, you know, why they, that's what they are. They're, they're telling people. They're like the, the fates, fates in, yeah. in ancient Greece. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that word started meaning the way we use it because mm-hmm. of these characters. Definitely that word applies, mm-hmm. especially the way they're portrayed in this one that we watched. They're really crazy. Like the, the, yeah. the sisters, they're very. They're well, I mean, that's thing you got to understand about the YouTube videos. Is it's direction. Direction is yeah ninety nine percent of ninety nine percent of what we saw. Right? Did you do what I did? Did you like read it while watching the play? I read it before. Okay, I watched the play because I was noticing because I did that. I, mm-hmm. I was doing it like parallel. Right. I noticed they cut a lot of stuff. Well, there are different versions there of the written be. play. There must there, be. Yeah. Things have been added to it mm-hmm. by different critics and and whoever published it would add stuff or take it away. And oftentimes they were director's notes that weren't in the original folio of, 19, uh, of 1623. Okay. So things were added. You know, so much of, of a play uh, is, is direction, right? And it's, the director says, do it this way. And so you do it that way. And it could be ironic in one play, right? And on the other one, it could be tragic, right? Mm-hmm. The same line mm-hmm. could be deliver, delivered multitude of different oh, ways. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so here, hit, just hit the line differently, and yeah. it's going to be I have a completely different. So meaning. the play we watched were Shakespearean. It was a, the the Shakespeare like society, right? So you mm-hmm. had all these, what we think of as top actors now, and they were all stage trained actors and Shakespearean actors at the oh, time. Yeah. So yeah. Ian McCullen, you know, who's I was watching Magneto, Gandalf, you know, Magneto, yeah, yeah, Magneto, Gandalf, Dame Judi Dench. You know, uh, I was watching. It was M, right? Is it M? Yeah, yes. M. Yeah, yeah, uh, she's M, right. So, I mean... I get so, Q and M right. mixed up. She's M. So, you're watching these people that, that you're used to seeing them perform in all these movies, mm-hmm. 
but you're watching them in their native country, so to right. speak. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is where they all train for the stage. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, the tradition of acting in England is stage. It's not movies, which is the tradition here. I think um, that's true, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, all, all, we have Broadway and stuff like that, but it's a totally different scene, right? Yeah. I mean, they didn't do a lot of rapping on, in the Globe Theater in, well, in Shakespeare's you know, day. it's not terribly different well, if you think about it. With Hamilton? Yeah. I mean, But if, my point is that, that, you know, these people were trained for that. So you've got very dramatic, heavy roles. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And um, he's really leading into that. Yeah. Peter McKellen in this one. He's. And I was thinking, I was thinking uh, just actually before we walked in, like kind of my, one of my last things I was thinking about, like how would this go over, like if, what was the director of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo oh. DiCaprio and Clara Danes? It was... Uh, Why do I not know that? It's, um, he he it's also did... It looks uh, like Guy Ritchie, but it's not. No, it's no, before um, him. It, he also did... The, it's not the train spotting. It's not It's not a Danny Boyle, is it? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. It might be Danny Boyle. He also did the, the one with, with Owen McGregor um, and um, the Australian actress in uh, set in France. The uh, you Owen know, McGregor and the Australian. Oh, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Thank Moulin you. Rouge, God, yeah. I, couldn't, I can't believe I, I couldn't come up with that. So but it's Baz Luhrmann, who I've never heard Baz of. Baz Luhrmann. Well, you've seen Luhrmann, his, sorry, Luhrmann. But you've seen his movies. <laughs> He's Australian. He directed Australia and he directed Moulin Rouge. He, did, he directed Australia? Really? Yep. Yeah. That's totally out of... Yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, that's not in the same wheelhouse at all. But in any case, I was wondering. And could Strictly Ballroom, which I think is kind of a cult classic. I think yeah. I think there are a lot of people who really like that. I haven't seen it. He he, ta- he took Romeo and Juliet, updated it to mm-hmm. Fair Verona, but it was set in like you know the 20th yeah. century, I right? Think it was or, California, right? They went with like I think it was like I think it was supposed to be like Acapulco type of place. Okay. It was like Mexico or something. But he updated it right to a modern time. Could you? I do, thought it was great. Could I, you I do really that with Macbeth? That. I mean, could you do have the same dialogue? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you could almost, like you said, like do like a gangster picture, although people don't really do those anymore. But you could do like a, the the, the byword is urban, yeah. you know, a version of that, like a gangster picture, like with Macbeth. And with the same with the same dialogue, you think? I mean, because... Yeah, but that was the fun of it, right? They right. had fun with that. Like, for instance, they refer specifically to their weapons. The long sword. The, hand the, me my long hand sword. Hand me my rapier, you know. Yeah, like, and, and he flashes the 9mm and says rapier, rapier on the it, side. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, that's, I like that. Yeah, I, I actually cool. really enjoyed that that, yeah. that movie. I haven't seen it in 20 years. Well, I think all guns were called, like, like the Brando sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? And like so that, yeah. I think when the uh, lieutenant says, throw down your swords, it's like it makes right. sense. You yeah, know? exactly. I, I think it's kind of fun to see people try yeah. to get around those sorts of things. I think you could do that with Macbeth. I don't see yeah. why you couldn't. There was a, There's a guy on YouTube. Well, Macbeth, they did. Uh, Sons of Anarchy was basically Macbeth up until the end. It was, it was, it was pretty much I watched the first plot. two seasons of Sons of Anarchy. I didn't see any beyond that. It was, uh, yeah, his dad was killed. His dad's dead. His dad's dead, and he was killed by the guy who's now leading the Oh, the, he was. The okay. SOA. So, his, it's, so he's his, like Malcolm. And his mom is, you know, he's like Hamlet. Oh, okay. You know, it was, yeah, it was it oh. was Hamlet. Uh, did I say Macbeth? I'm sorry. No, I was thinking, oh. uh, yeah, I think you did okay. say Macbeth, but okay. I was thinking it could be like Macbeth, no, no, too. SOA just told was totally, from the perspective yeah, of Malcolm. Totally Hamlet. Because he's sort of like a little softer, a little more, little more artistic than some of the other guys in the biker gang. He's smarter. He's smarter, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. So, But, I mean, yeah, so I guess this could be. I was just wondering, I don't know, I was just trying to rack my brain. I, you know, some that had been made, but I just couldn't think of any. I but, think Hamlet's a better comparison, though. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's more spot on for Sons of Anarchy. That's interesting. I didn't think of that at the time. Biggest surprise. My biggest surprise. Yeah, what was your biggest surprise? Right, we didn't get to that. My biggest surprise was, it had to do with Lady, it was a little bit more nuanced. It had to do with Lady Macbeth. Okay. Well, you're that, familiar with this before. This is not your first time right, reading Macbeth, right. right? It was all the references to her being a woman, and it was all about taking away my womanhood right. 
for this and that. Turn my milk to gall, right? Yeah. So if, if, exactly. if, you know, so if, if somebody suckles at my breast, you know, it's essentially poison. And I would take the baby that's suckling at my breast and dash its head in. Yes. You know, before, oh, before I, I mean, yeah. there's like all these yeah. things about, you know, unsexed. They me. don't have children. No. At least not in the play they not, don't. No. You don't see them. No. Strange. That's why his progeny would never become, you know, he was all worried about yeah. that. But, you know, it was all these these references to unsex me, unsex me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, make me not a woman and so forth. And then at the end of her, rather, um, you know, she ends up offing herself, we assume. It's almost like she succumbs to being a woman, right? Right. She doesn't face it like my Macbeth ultimately faces it. He dies, but he faces it like a man. Yeah. Air quotes there. Oh, I love what he says. What is it? He said, blow wind, come rack. At least we'll die with harness on our back. Yeah. I love that. That's good. Yeah. And, and at the very end, even though he says, okay, so I know that you're, you're going to kill me, but I'm still not going to kiss the ground that you walk on. Right. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and no, you're going to have to kill me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Macduff kills him. Uh, whereas Lady Macbeth just, you know, dies kind of a coward's death after it was implied that it was her fault all this happened in the first place because she talked him into it. Again, she's the Eve character, yeah. you know, to, to Macbeth's Adam. Yeah, definitely. And so I guess the surprise to me was just how far he took that. You know, he took that analogy so far about blaming her for everything, blaming her womanhood for everything. Right. I didn't think um, of the Eve. That's perfect. I mean, yeah. that's exactly. Or Pandora, you know, or something. Yeah. Like one of those stories. Right. Um, so she's a. She's everything's a, she's always. A, so she's the ultimate tragic character in this whole thing, right? She succumbs to because Jimmy Buffett also everything's a, a woman is to blame. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of yeah, classical woman. sources that. Yeah, well, but he does come back at the end and says it's, it's my his own, own damn fault. fault. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I, he, I think he's a dynamic character, and that's how he <laughs> right. figures himself out. Yeah. So I guess, I guess to me, my biggest surprise was just how how far he took. I, I remembered reading like feminist interpretations of this play and many of sure. Shakespeare's plays when I was kind of uh, getting my bachelor's, but but just to to see it, and especially in light of how much things have changed. I, I read this for a class in college like thirty years ago. You know? Okay, and. You know, things in 30 years have changed so much for sure. women's equality and, and so forth. And, sure. and so just sure. with what we know and just, you know, kind of the what, what's on everybody's mind, it's, right. it's very stark. And these things just Would stand out, they be, jump out. I feel like a lot of, well, I don't know if this is true, I'm not in academia, but it seems to me like a lot of people's response today would just be to not read this play. Maybe. If there's a problematic yeah. description of a woman's character, yeah. you just skip it. You know, I think it's more fruitful to discuss it. You know, talk yeah. about why, why is she like well, this? I mean, what was their society that's like? That's the cancel you know? culture kind right. of thing. Like, I just don't want to know about it, right? Right. But then again, you have to measure these things in context. And this was the feeling of uh, 17th century England. Sure. You this, know? I mean, this is a window into society yeah. up until very recently. Right. The idea that a woman's proper place was behind the man. Although, you know, like although, him. you know, the witches are all women, mm-hmm. you know, and you can, whatever you want to call them, fates or, or whatever. And they're, you know. Oh, they, this, this reminds me of a thought you know. that I had the other day. So I was somewhere, I can't remember where I was, and I heard this woman laugh. It was kind of this country lady and she was sitting with her friends having drinks and she laughed and it sounded just like a witch. Oh, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that woman. And I was thinking yeah. about thinking, that's why witches sound like that. Because laughing out loud in public is a sign that a woman is not doing womanly behavior. It's a cackle. It's like a cackle. Yeah. So that gets associated with witches right. who are women that don't follow the rules of right. these societies. And that's one way of viewing them. They're, Interesting. They're sort of bad women. You know, that's a witch. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, somebody that should be burnt at the stake, you know. Like I just, it just dawned on me. I was like, that's why we associate that cack, that cackling. That's you know? interesting. This this woman like drinking in public and like laughing with her friends, perfectly acceptable in 2021. 
But in 1621, oh. somebody would have literally probably put her on, put her in the put her in the in, stocks in the stocks for yeah, doing that. Yeah, probably exactly. so. so. This is an interesting tidbit. So, um, do you know where the term witch's brew comes from? I mean, it seems to me like just a description of a thing that the, a potion that a witch makes. No, okay. what, what's the? Well, it comes from uh, so. Women up until about probably about the 17th century, uh, women were the primary makers of beer in oh, in, okay. in the households. Okay. They weren't very sanitary. They wouldn't sterilize things. They didn't know about any of that stuff. Um, oftentimes, they'd use water, and, and beer was less risky than water because it was boiled. Right. They didn't under, again understand that. That, but they and were, apparently could keep put beer yeah, in a I barrel mean, well and that, just have it keep for a long time. It, it which could, to it me, it could keep for dangerous. a while. Uh, because of hops. Hops is a natural preserve. We talked about this last time. The uh, resin thing. You know, hops, uh, we did, yeah. Hops naturally has resin. So. I think we talked about that in the Marcus Aurelius episode. Yeah. So if if, uh, if uh, people got sickened because of the beer they were drinking, then oftentimes it wasn't... No, it's right. Oftentimes it wasn't just the uh, husband that got sick. It was husband, friends, you know, a bunch of people that got sick as a result. Mm-hmm. They accused the person that made it of witchcraft. Uh, and right. she gave them witch's brew. Okay. So uh, that's kind of the... Story behind that. It's the etymology See, of that phrase. It's again, good. poor women get the. Oh yeah, absolutely. The There's all kinds of associations. Yeah, you could probably. So this is a big quest- question about Macbeth. Yeah. And I want to see where you come down on this. Okay. Is the prophecy true or is it self-fulfilling? Oh. <laughs> was did he have? Any that agency? is a great question. I was going to ask you just, that question. Could oh. he have just? You know, it's like Total yeah. Recall. You watch that, right. and the question is, did that really happen yeah. or not? That, right. And it's, you never get an answer. And I don't think we're going to get an answer. Go Hagen, you got what you want. Give these people air. Get your ass to Mars. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to do that one eventually, won't we? All Why not? All those are classic. That is a classic. Good anyway, enough. so. Uh, I went to go see that. I was supposed to go see it. My dad and I were very excited to go see uh-huh. it. And we, we had to bring my sister. Uh, and at the last minute, my, my stepmom was like, she's too little to go see Total Recall. You guys can't see that. Uh, and, and I I, I went. I remember I, I like went to like argue. Uh-huh. And my dad, my, my stepmom walks away. My dad puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, you can't win, but there are alternatives <laughs> to fighting. <laughs> It quotes Obi-Wan Kenobi and then took me out at midnight after my sister went That's to sleep smart, to go see the movie. Very smart man. That was a that yeah. was a that was a G move. That yeah. was that was, that was that pretty really cool. It really is. It really is. What a great movie. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I've I was gonna ask you the exact same question. Yeah, it's a good question, right? Because right. Would he have done any of it had they not said anything? The answer is no. One answer he, we do get is he does become Thane of Cawdor. He does. After they tell him, and he doesn't do anything to make that happen. Well, so so the pro- that's just a true prophecy. So the prophecies that are true, okay, he became Thane of Cawdor. Mm-hmm. The woods moved. Right. Like the woods moved. That's your equivocation. Right. That's your prophecy that's equivocated. Right. Well, yeah, it's not totally There's clear. There's two, two of them. There's the one about and, man not and born of woman. And, man not born of woman. Right. And the Banquo one. Uh, right, but about see, Banquo's but progeny, see, right. The Banquo's progeny, if you, if you notice, though, it goes Thanacador, king, Banquo's progeny, man and not born, born of woman, woman right. the forest moving or whatever. Okay, another digression. Then, another digression then, real quick before and, I forget. I suddenly realized that Tolkien... Uh-huh. Must have read Macbeth before he wrote the Two Towers. Of course, because what, the trees, the trees, the moving. trees moving, yeah, yeah. and the thing about man not born of woman, right. that where yeah. uh, the, only, the witch king of Onmar can only be killed by killed by a man, and, right. and it's like stupid prophecy because it turns yeah. out being you know. I thought I thought there was like a, yeah. a connection of course, there. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Tolkien was an English professor, if I remember yep. correctly. So, yep, yep, yep. Um, so if you think about it, the only one that was true out of all of it by itself was the Thane of Cawdor. He the, did nothing the, to bring the that king about. thing. Brought all the rest about, but they were true, right? They were true because of that. Uh, because of he he fulfilled he, prophecy number two. But the forest moving 
just happened. Well, I mean, he made he made the battle happen, but their tactic of yeah, hiding in the trees but was none of that would have happened had he not right, done that. Right. So, right. but it happened in a way that there is a true prophecy, though. There's definitely well, yeah, they have some source but, of. But it was it was all falling. It was all because of number two. Number two came true because he made it come true, which, right. which was becoming king. So I'm going to kill the king, become the king. So the everything question, everything else became the question true because is, of that. Could he have not done that? Was he fated to do it? Was he just going to do it? No matter what happened. That's a good question. I think that's something that Shakespeare is talking about. Like maybe Shakespeare's questioning it. Who knows? Yeah. Like, do know. we have control over do our we lives? Have control or over not? our lives, exactly. Or is you know? fate like an external force? Right. Weird. Is weird an external force? Yeah. That, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where he's. There's definitely true prophecy though. Right. They definitely have some source of knowledge that is other than natural. So yeah. that, because they get things right. Like we said, Macbeth doesn't actually do those things. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't create them because of the prophecy. Becoming king, yes. That's self-fulfilling. Right. I don't know the Banquo thing. He murders Banquo, and Banquo's son, Fleance, survives. Right. But that doesn't really cause him to become king one day. That just sort of happened. Could have happened either way. If he hadn't have killed Banquo, then maybe not. I don't know. I mean, that one's a little more vague. Yeah. But there wouldn't have been a battle at the end. But I think think it's setting things in motion, right? It's it's setting everything in motion because he decided to do that. Like, he could have said, I'm going to be king. I'm just going to wait. And then maybe Duncan dies of old age and Malcolm doesn't want to be king and then he becomes king. That could have been a possibility. Mm -hmm. And he chose to interpret it because his wife said, this is what we're going to do to make sure that happens. I suppose this is a theme of tragedy, right? Yeah. All the tragedies have this element of, could anybody have gotten off of this roller coaster, you know, once... Or are they right. just click, 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 click? Well, that's what, that's what makes a tragedy. A tragedy is the fall of, of a hero. Right. Right. And so we see this guy that... that I mean, you know, Caesar also gets prophecies, yeah. ignores right. them, more yeah. like, and yeah. goes to his death. Beware the, eyes the eyes of, of March, March. Right. Yeah. So could he have not done that? I don't know. It doesn't seem like... Certainly not within the character. The character was going to do what the character was going to yeah. do. So I guess it's a question of fate in that sense. Right. That's not something I believe in, fate. It's like, We were talking about this before. Calvinism? Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, we yeah. were talking about Calvinism and the idea that you're just... You're, See how we you're, circle around? You're born with way. a crummy soul and you're and you're destined to sure. go to hell. Because you, you know. And yeah. I'm like, what is the... What a well, terrible you're not, you're, philosophy. You're not, you're not destined to go to hell. You're destined to have a shitty life because uh-huh. that was your station you were born in to, whether you like it or not. But they also believe that and you can't strive for salvation. They don't think that the person... You have to be happy with that station. See, that makes sense to me is just a, a way of keeping the peasants in line. I, I get why somebody would have that philosophy, right. but why would you have this that's idea? A pes- that's a pessimistic view. Well, but that's, you know... I mean, it, it's convenient. It's for, convenient. For, for yeah, those, exactly. yeah, those so. in power. But I mean, I think all religion is convenient for those in power if they twist it a certain way. Of course, right? of yeah. course. But Cal- Calvinism, be. certainly. I mean, Calvinism helps to keep people unmotivated keep people in their place because, you know, this is your lot in life. Right. You know, God made you a serf, so you stay a serf, right? I I don't know. I mean, I think at the time, you know, when Shakespeare was writing this, witchcraft was was real. Magic was real. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they were... Uh, James the first himself was responsible for the fascination with witchcraft. He actually wrote a book yeah, about witchcraft. Yeah, I saw that. In the 1590s the occult, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, and and caused a lot of the obsession with witchcraft, um, which I guess eventually led to the Salem witch trials, among yeah, other things, yeah, which yeah, is in the, the 17th line. century. Down uh, the line, I don't know yeah. if it's Jacobian, but it's in the 17th century yeah. at some point. I don't. It must have been later because where the, there was hardly anybody in Massachusetts at the time. Was it? It was, 16, a late, it was late 17, 1700s. Yeah, or 1620. 1620, yeah. I think, yeah, is when the Mayflower century, yeah, So yeah. I think the, the witch trials are probably 1640, right around the time of the Civil War, okay. I think. Maybe. I don't know. Civil War. 
the, the English Civil oh, the War, English of course. Civil, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe so, yeah. But there's a connection there with James's yeah. obsession with this stuff. And that's, well, they, they that's most, why it's in here. This is probably, again, designed to, to placate the king. Yeah. You know, look, look at this. You right, know, I right. wrote, look at all these witches in here. You yeah. Know, they're, they're all bad, and killing kings is bad. And you know, in, in if you look at uh, Homer, uh, God. Are we brave enough to do Homer at some point? I really love those. Iliad? Uh, that's a long read, though. Homer or Virgil? Both of them talk about the fates. And so you have this invisible hand. Mm-hmm. That's controlling and manipulating what's going on. I think that was still, you know, I think widespread, not the enlightened. You know, the enlightenment was all about our ability to do whatever we want. You know? What well, was also a rejection of this kind of thinking, this right. sort of spiritual, right. it's not spiritual. But, but I think widespread belief, supernatural was st- widespread belief was still ignorant and, and supernatural, right? It's a lot of that today. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. <laughs> that is not, unfortunately, not gone. <laughs> I am not at all uh, arguing with that. I don't know where the hell we're going with that, but okay. So are we toasting this classic? I definitely am. Yeah. Um, I think that the plot of Macbeth is not its strongest point. I mm-hmm. think that these um, the asides and the soliloquies and things like that mm-hmm. in here are terrific. Mm-hmm. There's so many lines. Milk of human kindness, you know. I didn't even mention my favorite bit, which is his speech before he dies. The the out out, you know, brief candle like that. Mm-hmm. I that I didn't realize was in Macbeth. I thought yeah. that was in some other play. All that stuff I think is great. I think it's easily. That's why we remember Shakespeare. Yes. Honestly, yeah. versus anybody yeah. else. Not I mean, so much the so stories. So much yeah. of, of mm-hmm. our little idioms come from absolutely you know, come from him. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking. I think the word weird becoming the word we use yeah. it today probably just comes from these characters. Yeah, That's the, how powerful Shakespeare's sisters. grasp yeah. on our language is. I've known some weird sisters. I have known some weird sisters. I've known so, lots of weird sisters. There we are. Well, um, let's see. My toast. Anybody that knows me knows exactly which weird sisters I'm <laughs> thinking about right now. I, uh, you can tell me off air. Yeah. I, I think you still you. have pictures, right? There's literally at least one or two people I know who listen to the pod um, who are who, who know, know exactly sisters? who I'm talking about right now. <laughs> and um, I love these weird sisters to death, but they're definitely the ones that <laughs> That anybody would be thinking about. You know, I, I think uh, I think the fact that that's you know it's Macbeth and you're MacArthur. Right. Um, Do you know what Mac means? Turn of the Mac. Uh, turn of the Mac. Yeah, yes. Return of the Mac. Exactly. Yeah. Is that no? no. I mean, son. Son, oh, of. son. So son we're of. the sons of Arthur. We're sons of King Arthur. Which sons of King Arthur? Sons of King Arthur. I yep. think we're gilding the lily a bit. Uh, no? Gilding the lily. No. You mean I'm so glorious that saying that King Arthur is my ancestor just well, is a waste, I, I of, would, I, I a waste would, of gloriousness? Well, I, I, I would say you're, you're at least— I think what you mean is we're putting a silk hat on a pig, right? No, no. <laughs> that what trying you call to be, I'm trying to be kind. Oh, okay. All right, then gilding the lily. That works. Sure. <laughs> but by sure. saying that, you know, I think you're, you're good enough as it is. I you don't, don't need, think you don't King Arthur's to... a real person. I mean, that's something we could probably do. We could probably do Mallory Now you're denying your own family. I don't well, know where I'm to go saying. with you. I think, I, think, I think this is a legendary person. I don't think we're, don't think we're descended from King Arthur. <laughs> well, but, but all legends come from somewhere, though. That's right. Well, I mean, Julius Caesar thought he was descended from Venus. Right. Literally walked around telling him. And how do we know that he wasn't? Were you there? How do I know that he was not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Was I there? No, I was not there. Well, so what's your verdict? Yeah. You know, I I am. I am. I I, I think my only regret on this play is that unlike pretty much everything, you know, all of the other plays are just so little we know about the characters. For a good director, it actually is helpful because it allows the director with what little he he or she has to work with, it allows them to really kind of... um, flesh out those characters for us. Okay. Like the, the the play that we watched, the the one on YouTube. You know, they, would they, you toast that? Would you toast that version? Yeah, I, I absolutely would. I mean, the cast is incredible. Yeah. I, no, no, those are that particular one. And the reason it's on YouTube, that's a lesson in how it should be done, 
right? In, in how dramatic mm-hmm. traditional Shakespeare should be done, right? And it's traditional. It's not one it of these. Traditional. One, it's not one of these ones that's doing a lot of crazy scenery stuff and and, and, and see. And I don't avant-garde. mind. I don't mind those because no, I, yeah. I I like direction. And I always tell my you know my my kids. My kids are always you know enamored with actors and actresses, which you know everybody is. But I always sure. tell them, look, as far as I'm concerned, the two people with any power in a story are the writer and director. Okay, for a book, it's going to be the writer or the editor if you actually want to get published. But in any right. case, that aside. Sometimes a great actor can make something, though. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not denying that. Like Ian McKellen's, you know, performance in this, he made. He made that that entire thing. I think right? he's overdoing it. Honestly, well, I, but, I, but, I had a but, little bit of. There's but, a couple times he's getting really breathy and spitty and stuff. Gene and Wilder like, in in Willy Wonka. Very good. You know, yeah. made yeah. that movie. No, absolutely, okay? absolutely. So, so that you wouldn't that, want to watch that, Fight Club without Brad. Pitt. Right. Exactly. You know, like that can happen, but the director needs to. But it's the director's vision so. that the actor so, is yeah. fitting within. And I always say the writer and director because the director is the only other person that has the authority to overrule a writer mm-hmm. and say, you know, let's change this line. Let's do this instead. Let's do this instead. Nobody else can do that. And so I have no problem with seeing um, like a hip hop version of a Shakespearean play. No, you know? not no, at no, all. No, no. No, because cool. uh, stuff's cool. I, yeah. Yeah. Because again, because it's it's direction, right? It's the interpretation of, of how sure. they see it, right? You read it, I read it, and it's just words on paper. Right. It it takes. A I would never. Yeah, I had to watch to, this. To bring it I out. could yeah, not have just absolutely. read this in a book. <laughs> right. That's not a good. Well, experience. you get a different experience of it. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm. I did I'm, that when I was in high school. I remember I read Hamlet, uh-huh. and I was just like. This is sucks. This is nothing, you know. Oh, man, and then I watched, I think yeah. at the time it was the Mel Gibson version. And well, I was just like, okay, now I get what happened. I think I told like, you that. So we had this guy. His name was Bruce Street. Rest in peace. Uh, Dr. Street was, uh, he, he would teach the comedies and histories. Okay. I guess that's what it was. Maybe it was like comedies, histories, and, and sonnets. You said something, something about sonnets before. Yeah. yeah. I know that because I was, t- he, he taught he taught the Henry V and, and uh, you know, we and, and this guy was, this. so this guy was, he was, he was funny. He was like. Six foot six, six foot seven. Mm-hmm. Big dude. I mean, big. He had a belly that would Falstaff. Know, he he was Falstaff, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember we were we were sitting in. It was like late in the year, and we're all tired. It's like hot outside and hot in the classroom, and we're trying to like we're struggling through Henry the Fifth. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, you know, somebody read this line or something like that, and somebody read. He just looks at him and he like yells and he reads it like as Falstaff, and all of us like basically got knocked down. You know that scene in in uh, Blazing Saddles when she says, yeah. we can't yeah, hear yeah, you, yeah. and she yells. Right. Everybody's like, we kind of did that thing. And uh, and he just recites the whole thing, looking right at us, not even reading it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the dude was Falstaff. And I was like, I appreciate this so much more Yo, now that I absolutely. see it. it. Well, it's like you know? poetry. I think people don't appreciate poetry Until much. Until it's read. Poetry the way it's is supposed meant to be read, read aloud. Yeah. Like you're right. really not supposed to sit and read a poem in a book. You're not going to get much out of that. Well, you're not going to get the way the poet intended it to be, right? Right. I read uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner recently, again, oh, just because something I hadn't read. And I was like, why haven't I read yeah. that? So, but what I did is I listened to it online. There was like an audible version of it. And I looked at the page while right. I was reading. And that was really effective. I, I, I enjoyed that. I got a lot out of that. I read some early Beastie Boys, which <laughs> suck. <laughs> 
<laughs> some of the worst stuff I've, I've ever. The girl is crafty <laughs> like ice is cold. Uh, that is right, yeah. Rhyming and stealing I in love a drunken the state. Boys. I love the Beastie Boys. I, I actually. <laughs> I'll be rocking my rhymes all the way to Hell's Gate. <laughs> I read a, um, read a bio, like a biography of the Beastie uh-huh. Boys, basically. And so I was listening to some of their older stuff, and I listened to Paul's Boutique. Uh-huh. And I was like, that is a terrific album. Yeah, I skipped actually, it. I skipped actually, it. Yeah. I went right from License to Ill to, I think, Check Your Head. Yeah, Check Your Head. And love both of those, but just never listened to Paul's right. Boutique. That's a great album. There are some yeah. beats. There are some beats in Not that bad. album that are Not bad. like them at the top of their game. <laughs> that is definitely neither here nor there. All right. Would well, we I, do? Can we I, do albums as a classic? Is that something we could do? I think, I think so. it'd be fun to talk yeah, about I an album. I think so. I think, and I think, I think we could start implementing like sound bites too. There's no reason not to. I mean, uh, can we get in trouble? For? Well, on YouTube we could, but I don't think we can. Okay. Uh, right. Let us know if we're wrong. Everybody. Yeah. Anybody but, that knows, let us know because I don't um, want to violate fair use doctrine or something. I mean, if well, we're I think talking fair, about, I think the fair album, use is examples. Like we can have examples right. of things. Like right. I think so. We play, if we play albums, obviously, we're not going to just play the album. But if we right. played like a clip, right. of what we're talking about, right. that might be fun. I might, yeah. I might do that. My next free choice, I might go with an album. I'm going to start doing uh, sound effects. My my son, uh, my 10-year-old. We're he, not just going to do fart sound effects, though, right? <laughs> well, if, your was, son's, if your son's our was, sound mixer, that was, that's all That it's was be. his main recommendation. I think he had a couple of like sneezes or like, there you go. blow your nose. Like Ferris Bueller. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for, uh, for, for bearing with us. We are unanimously toasting are, this classic. Yeah, let's toast it. Cheers to Macbeth. Cheers. We'll see you uh, next time on uh, – we'll, we'll talk at you next time on Toasting the Classics. Right. Toasting the Classics. Out. That's it for Episode 6 of Toasting the Classics. Out, out, brief podcast. For those playing along at home, get the ingredients to make a Manhattan for next week's episode where we'll be talking about the 1951 J.D. Salinger novel, Catcher in the Rye. If you'd like to get in touch, send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, your comments, hot takes and complaints, whatever. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @reactivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics.